Derek. Greetings, listeners in Listener Land. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. How you doing, Mark? I'm good. Derek in there on the drums there. Yeah, he's <laughs> playing those drums. Playing yeah. those drums he there. St. Louis in Tune focuses on issues that impact and connects the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Want to return to civility today with a good one here they're all good you know yeah you know so far so good so far so good you know i guess it takes a lot to not be civil it's kind of like smiling yeah smiling and frowning apparently (laughs) you can save energy by smiling because it takes fewer muscles to smile than it does to frown i now that's good i didn't know that Mm -hmm. that's uh i learned something new all the time with arnold that's that's right so you frowning you're using more muscles that's correct so here here it is folks and this is especially good if you know summertime's hitting us pick up the garbage around a full can and tell someone who can help that the can is full oh my there's a one word germs Ooh. yeah you want to make sure get that trash into the trash can and then make sure that trash can gets taken care of i have i actually have work gloves in my car and once in a while i, I do too i do the same thing yeah. i just pick it pick it up that's my old scout stuff. Leave no trace. Leave no trace. Come on. You see some something down on the floor, on the ground, pick it up. People don't want to do that. That's no. right. People don't want to I'm see not it. touching that. <laughs> We've had a great uh, event happen yesterday. President Biden signed Juneteenth into be a federal holiday. And here in Missouri, that just rolled right down. Thank goodness. And it's a uh, recognized holiday here in the state of Missouri. But Juneteenth, it's the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration of the end of slavery in the United States. And on the line, we have Cliff Robinson, who's founder of Juneteenth.com. And they are, well, I don't want to tell you what they are. I'm going to let him explain what they are. I have it in front of me, but I don't want to. Yeah, don't let him do it. I'm going to let him do it. Cliff, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you. Thank you. And happy happy Juneteenth to everyone. Happy Juneteenth to you also. Explain uh, a little bit about... First of all, Juneteenth, for those people who may not know the intricacies, we don't need to know the detailed stuff, but there is a story there, and some people may have heard part of it. Some people may have not heard about it at all, which hopefully they have heard something. Explain Juneteenth to our listeners. Sure, sure. And and don't feel too terribly bad if you hadn't heard of it, because there are a lot of folks in the country that are just learning about it, you know, for the first time. It's... Mm -hmm. It's a piece of history that was not included in, in the uh, books when I grew up, in the history books, only within the last, say, uh, say 10 to 15 years, they're starting to reference Juneteenth. But basically, in it commemorates the ending of slavery in 1865. Uh, General Gordon Granger uh, rode into Galveston, Texas, and, and basically announced to those that were still uh, enslaved that the Emancipation Proclamation had set them free uh, two and a half years earlier. And so you can imagine with that news, the, the celebration, the joy, and even fear, you know, that uh, derived from that announcement um, kicked off uh, uh, a lot of emotion and, and celebrations. And from that point forward, it's been a celebration every year. <clears throat> and it's been kind of an up and down thing uh, mm-hmm. as it relates to hi- historically from that time. I know it was initially celebrated by uh the slaves who had been freed, especially in Texas, and and but then kind of, some things kind of waned in the celebration of it, and uh, Texas kind of spurred some of the uh, uh, interest back in it. Isn't that correct? Exactly, exactly. It like I said, through the years, it kind of it, it grew up. I mean, it was always a big celebration in in Galveston, Texas, of course, and in Texas in general. Um, but you know, it spread across the country and in certain cities. You know, as the young folks uh, took hold to it. Things uh, um, kind of uh, uh, grew, and then for certain periods of times, it, it was quiet. Uh, but it's always been a big celebration in, in uh, many of the cities in the South, and especially the cities in Texas. What do you think that's been the surge? Back in uh, 19, and back in 1980, uh, I believe it was 1980, uh, Texas made it 
and that's probably one of the first things that really brought it to a much more national uh, attention. They made it a, a state holiday. How about that? A state paid holiday. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Good for Texas. <laughs> that was yeah. yeah, that was yeah, that was an amazing feat. That was the only state that had done it for several years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think we were talking off air. There's what two states that have not made it a, a holiday. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, pretty much uh, no recognition at all. I mean, they, they have the local cities with it's with it's basically North Dakota and South Dakota. Um, there are some celebrations, but it's not been statewide. Uh, there's no statewide recognition for it, and I'm not sure why. We we looked into it and we couldn't figure it out either. It's just it's just yeah, something yeah. that's the just, fact that you have locals celebrating it, uh-huh. you would think someone would pick up on it. Right? Maybe they will. Let's hope they do. Yeah. What do you think was? Yeah, the, we hope they do. now now they have a chance to for yes, sure. For sure. Yeah. What do you think was the impetus in the '80s to get Texas to do that? And and really, what was a push maybe prior to that? Was did the civil rights movement really kind of energize? Uh, the understanding and celebration of Juneteenth? I would think so. I mean, as uh, unfortunately as certain events happen, it, it, it draws more attention to, you know, the plight of any folks. And uh, certainly during those periods, we've had several instances um, that may have focused on the community. And um, there was a congressman, uh, Al Edwards, was the one that really spurred it on in Texas. Uh, he pushed uh, forward and eventually had uh, had the uh, state to recognize it. But he was the impetus in, in Texas, uh, hmm. Congressman Al Edwards. Now, as as people celebrate Juneteenth, what kind of activities? You know, I know there are celebrations locally and statewide. We're having the national holiday. What kind of celebrations occur normally, like you would expect to see in a in a local community of a Juneteenth celebration? Yeah, it, it ranges across the, the gamut now. Uh, it, uh, some places will try to hold to an old traditional type celebration, say an outside barbecue and, you know, uh, traditional foods and things. But now you, you have anything from parades to pageants. Uh, uh, there's always a religious component to it, which is nice. Uh, a healing circle is what it's sometimes called. Uh, but you'll have all kind of events now, concerts. Uh, parties, uh, and it can be a family gathering, as you know, as well as could be huge public uh, uh, auditorium-style events. So it, it runs across the board now. Now you've been doing what you've been doing with uh, Juneteenth.com for 24 years now, and and explain that's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> explain why you started that and what kinds of things you do at, at Juneteenth.com. I was one of those that didn't know anything about Juneteenth uh, back at that time, 1996-97. Uh, I had a friend in Houston, and he kept telling me about Juneteenth. I said, come on over, and let's, we'll ride down to Galveston to Juneteenth. <laughs> and I was saying, what is what is Juneteenth? And you know, the first time you hear it, you wonder what the heck you know is yeah. he saying. The word Juneteenth doesn't easily flow. No. Um, but uh, it was because of him that I heard about it. And I dug into it. It was just getting into the web as well, uh, building websites and things like that. And when I found out how powerful this history was and that it was untold, and as I looked across the uh, country via the web, there were certain cities that had huge celebrations. You know, California, uh, uh, I want to say it was Milwaukee, uh, and even some parts in Florida. There were certain cities that had some, I mean, you know, of course, Texas, but other places across the country. And so that inspired me to say, look, why don't I just build a website uh, simply as an information piece? That's all it was. It's just a way of sharing best practices. People would log on and share, you know, uh, what worked for them, uh, you know, how going about getting parade permits and hmm. just sharing tips. And that's exactly all it was. And it was a huge, it made a huge impact because it was the first one mm-hmm. uh, where they could actually go in and communicate you know, with each other. And the web was new, of course. And so that really generated, you know, a lot of interest as well. But it was a nice hub to gather and exchange ideas, you know, on how to celebrate Juneteenth and solve any issues that you were having. And what kind of growth have you seen over the, the years? I, you know, being a clearinghouse of these things and providing different resources and ideas is is great for people who are maybe just kind of finding out as you were finding out. Mm-hmm. 
Right, right. It, it's been, obviously, in the last few years, it's been tremendous because more folks know about it now. Um, but it's always been a steady growth uh, as folks, and you'd always get that constant stream of email saying, I never heard about Juneteenth. You know, so glad the website is out there. So that's been a steady, you know, I could measure the growth growth just by that, just by the emails alone, much less the uh, traffic, you know, the actual uh, statistics from the website. Uh, probably last year was probably the, the highest traffic, you know, uh, at least on Juneteenth. We had well over a half million people just on Juneteenth Day alone. Wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, just on that one, you know, segment that we looked at on Juneteenth. So uh, it has grown tremendously, and I expect the same this year and even more, you know. What are some things that you really have, I, I guess, it really surprised you as as to the growth of this, and I know you know more people are are checking into the website and things like that. But as as individuals across the country understand the significance of this new holiday and understand what has gone into the history of this, what do you what do you hope to have people do on that day and and think about? It's, it's like it, we said on the site, it's, it's really a time to reflect, you know, and, and plan, um, you know, looking back and see how far you've come, realizing the things and obstacles you've overcome, you know, as a people, and realizing all of those that have helped you overcome, you know, it, it, took, it took everyone, all races and ethnicities to, to bring, you know, uh, black people you know, to where they are today. Uh, and we've got to look back and appreciate that and be proud of the things we've done and be proud and appreciative of the things that other folks have done to open some doors and tear down some walls. So it, it's, it's a day of reflection. Uh, it's, a, it's also a day of, you know, celebration, but it's more of a reflection and appreciation and thinking about all those that came before you that didn't have the privileges that you have today. And, and hopefully that makes you, you know, a stronger person. It certainly would give our kids today some grounding as to, you know, who they are and where they've come from and the things that they, you know, their parents at least and grandparents have gone through to provide for them. So it's it's a day of internal growth, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So what uh, what's Cliff Robinson going to be doing tomorrow? <laughs> Well, I'll be busy on the web, you know, most of the day until tomorrow evening. And I shut it down, and I go out, and I have the biggest barbecue I could possibly. Nah. It'll be just be family members, but we'll do, we'll do the barbecue between, like I say, again, uh, I say this every every year. It's, it's it's between, you know, Juneteenth and Father's Day. You know, we, we put on at least 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Juneteenth pounds. Yeah, Juneteenth pounds. Yeah. So, so what's going to be on the grill? Oh, yeah. Cause we're coming over. I've got ribs. <laughs> oh. uh, okay, I've got ribs, and I think I mentioned to you about the gumbo. I've got some gumbo in the oh, freezer too. Oh. So come on over. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. It'll be it'll be basically ribs and chicken. That's my favorite. Oh, oh man, you got some, you got a side of gumbo to start oh. as as a little appetizer. <laughs> You got me going there. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. going to like this holiday, I think. <laughs> I'm really going to like this holiday. More ways than one. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. You, you know, I, I find that, matter of fact, when I first learned about Juneteenth, uh-huh. your website was the first one that I went to. Wow. And it gave me wow. a, an understanding. You know, you can go to Wikipedia and get all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. there's, I know... Uh, uh, there's a, a PBS uh, site on on this by uh, by uh, Henry Louis Gates. He Gates? he has some information, yeah, right. in, which actually you're quoted in there. And uh, so oh, okay. I thought, hey, why not go to the to the source here and talk to the guy who <laughs> who started Juneteenth.com? And I, I'm really appreciative. Go ahead. I'm, I'm really appreciative that that you saw that to do that mm-hmm. and and you didn't go oh somebody needs to do that that you just did that and right. took the initiative you know, it's amazing you're right you're right it's amazing i mean god puts things on you sometimes because yeah. i look back at it now and say 
what really made me, because I spent, you know, days and days and days, you know, uh, uh, in in libraries and just doing all kind of research in right. the Amistad Center uh, here, just digging up and researching and putting together this thing. And I look back at it now and I said, man, I wrote all of this. And some of these things, I said, man, you know, you know, how long did it take you to do this? It took quite a time. Now, now the site you're looking at now is actually a brand new site. I'll have to put the old site out there so people we're still transferring information over mm-hmm. from the old site so some things are still not even on the site and the current site is not completely you know fixed you know so uh excuse the dust there but we're still building you know uh, that's you know the new site uh, but if you see the old site you'd know it was from 1996 yeah <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a great mission. I mean, it was a good, it was a good, it was it was a great site. Now, don't get me wrong, but it was uh, it had the old school you know design. Right, right. And uh, and folks have been yeah. for years and years and years. You know, you got to you got to get current. You know, and so. Uh, uh, but uh, I'll have to put a link to the old one out there, and so people can re- go oh, back yeah. and forth and see. But there's more information to come for sure. And uh, but it's been a struggle. You know, uh, I'm basically a one-man show when mm-hmm. it comes to this, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's been a struggle getting, a, a, you know, all of these parts and pieces, you know, in place. But it's a learning curve, and it keeps me on the edge. You know? Well, it's it's a great mission you have, and I'm really appreciative, and I understand doing it by yourself. That that takes a lot yeah. of time. Oh, yeah. It takes a lot of time, and it, you, it you really have to love what you're doing. You've got a place on here for feedback. You've got a store. You... Uh, yard side campaign you can register your activity mm. uh, you give a lot of information about juneteenth you even get into the middle passage and uh talk a little bit about yeah. that if, if you but don't that, mind for that, a minute yeah. cliff yeah that that i was i was like i said i was really fired up at that time and i met the uh the I met the artist tom feelings at an art gallery and going through his book the middle passage that image that you see as our logo now just hit me and struck me like i said you know god puts things on you sometimes and you can't argue with it but mm-hmm. that hit me as it to me it said everything that image of it actually it's and folks will ask you know what is that image it's a man sitting in the bottom of a of, of a of a of a hull of a ship mm. with his arms outstretched and it and it's a it is an abstract image you know and it's kind of a ghostly image and to me it just said everything about you know the struggle that we've come through you know, the shoulders that we stand on, you know, and, and that, to me, I said, man, that is Juneteenth. And so I worked with Tom, and we worked on an agreement, uh, and the Tom has passed on, unfortunately, now. But uh, um, to use just that same, in fact, if you get his book, his book is loaded. I mean, it's a beautiful book. Uh, um, um, but that image is just a single piece of a larger image, you know, but that little image caught me, and that's been the logo for Juneteenth. And, and when you think about it, there was no logo or brand for Juneteenth, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. in '96, you know. And so that image became, you know, something people, you know, were attracted to as well and latched on to. And it has become. Uh, but that book, you know, and in fact, right now I've got to do a, a better job with the images on there for the middle passes. The old site had a much larger set. Uh, of images that you could scroll through from the middle passage book. And right now these images are small and that's not what I want. So I'll be working on that again. But uh, yeah, the middle passage is, it was the, uh, is, is a, is a major uh, inspiration behind uh, the design, you know, so you'll notice I referenced Tom and some of his words, you know, throughout that site. And how did you meet Tom again? At, a, at an art gallery here in New Orleans, uh, Stella Jones Gallery. Uh, uh, she Stella was a uh, is a uh, was a doctor that you know stopped her practice because she loved art so much, hmm. and she went into the uh, uh, black art gallery business. Hmm. And and she'd have you know she'd have artists from all around the world, you know, come to her store. That beautiful shop downtown uh, New Orleans, uh, beautiful store. Right. And so I went to a gallery opening, um, you know, and Tom was the guest and had didn't, you know, did not know of him before that. So it was just amazing how things come together. You know, they, they, I had already started, you know, working on Juneteenth, but, uh, you know, just meeting him gave me, you know, some images that really 
help me put it pull it all together. They they do, and and I, I was looking at some of them as you're talking, and he is such a visual storyteller, oh, wow. and yeah, he really captures yeah. the emotion of not only what was going on at the time, but it draws you in, and you can almost like, oh my gosh, and begin to see. Well, no, but just reading the word, yeah, mm-hmm. just, just reading his words will, will really, you know, hit you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So wow. I, I guess... Powerful. Yes, that, it all came together, you know, all, and all of these pieces and parts came together, you know. So Arnold... And the fact that the rich, I mean, the history was so important. Right. The history was so important, and it wasn't told. You know, nobody knew about it, yeah. you know, and so, man, this is, a, this is a perfect piece, perfect educational piece. And exactly. That, and that's my question to Arnold. When did you hear about Juneteenth? Yeah, and, and Cliff might be surprised about this, but okay. the first time I did this show, four years ago. That's the first time you heard about Juneteenth. First time I heard about Juneteenth. I was getting ready, and mm-hmm. was like, oh, well, we need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And so I did this. <laughs> You well, know, exp- exploration. It's only been a couple of years for me for Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. I think that's terrible. It is horrible. <laughs> I do. And so the work that, that he's done has is just tremendous. So you have to be excited about how quickly things have now transpired, turned around. All of a sudden, it is becoming, people are becoming aware of it. Thank goodness, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is surpri- I mean, it's surprising at the same token. You said you wonder why it took so long, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're right. You know, in the last three to four years, things just jumped. You know, but, you know, you know, we and you know, tens of thousands of people we've been working on Juneteenth and mm-hmm. hosting their celebrations and promoting and pushing for uh, a holiday. You know, long before me, mm-hmm. um, but it only started happening in the last. You know, three to four years. Of course, you know some unfortunate incidences always, you know, mm-hmm. you know, bring things to light. You know, and, and inspire people and move people. And uh, so, I'm sure all of that had a lot to do with mm-hmm. making people realize, hey, it's time to right some of these wrongs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, absolutely. And and talk about the things that you know um, that we haven't talked about. Uh, and so, I think that's what's happening right now. And I, and that could be a great. It could be a great. You know. Um, step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just sit out and talk and right. realize and acknowledge some of the things we've ignored, you know. Yeah, it's good to find the good out of tragedy and uh, You're right. well, you hate to live good. through any exactly. of that tragedy and you wonder why do we have to get hit in the back of the head with a two by four <laughs> in in order to, to just open right. our eyes to some of this. Because we stuff. haven't been listening. Yeah, no, no. People don't listen. You're right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in our lives and our world, you know, we you can only tune into so much. So, I mean, I don't bash people for just learning about it because, you know, somebody could bash me for just learning about it in 1996, you know. Right. So, uh, right. Right. Uh, you know, so it's it's a matter of time. And, and like I said, some things will click, some things will not. And at certain times they will. Um, and like I said, I get email every day from folks that are just learning about it, black and white, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, what is Juneteenth? I just hear, I'm just hearing about it, you know. Right. So. Now, congratulations to you and kudos to you for for what Thank you've you. done. You know, it's great work. And uh, Cliff, we appreciate it. Uh, we've got about one minute. Give uh, give an encouragement to those people who will be celebrating Juneteenth tomorrow. Well, I want you to, first of all have a safe celebration. We've got to realize COVID nineteen is still out there. There's different variants, and they're just as strong and deadly as they always were. So hopefully, we all will be vaccinated if not already very soon um uh be safe if you're not uh be safe if you are uh but uh that's my main message this year because you know, we're just getting through some of this COVID piece and it's not over uh but be safe but enjoy and celebrate reflect and, and appreciate everything you have and what people have done you know to bring you where you are right now and, and let's have a happy and proud Juneteenth Cliff Robinson, founder of Juneteenth.com. Thanks for coming on St. Louis in Tune. Cliff, you take care. Have a great Juneteenth tomorrow. And a good Father's Day. Yes. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you. Wow. That was a good surprise. It's it's great information what Mm -hmm. what Cliff's done. And, you know, it's a real passion to do something like that and to do the work that he's done. Now, he's kind of into the technology aspect of that and websites and stuff. But... You know, it takes a lot of research. He's hung in there for 25 years, for crying out loud. Good for him. Yeah. 
I mean, that is a calling. Yeah, I know it is. Talking about it. it is a calling, a mission, mm-hmm. and he just never gave up. It's, he's got to be so excited that the recognition is finally happening. Yeah, and I was really happy to get him on oh, uh, yeah. because, man, that was I went back to my, you know, you can you can track back where, where I had gotten that, and that was my very first uh, website that I went to, and obviously it popped up on the Goggle search, but you yeah. know it, you know it, it works. It, it was, it was there. Yeah, it I was there. Fantastic. All right. So yeah. when we come back after the break, there's more. There's more. We're going to be talking to uh, uh, JT, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. Oh. He's president of Civil Righteousness, and there's a big event tomorrow called The Table, and we're going to be talking about that. So we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston. back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. You know, Mark, I've always considered eating an intimate affair. Oh, yes. Very and intense. when you have family sit down at the table and or you sit down with friends and it's a it's a great time to do some things like that. There's an event tomorrow that we're going to be talking about okay. with, with the guests that we're uh, going to be talking to. Jonathan Tremaine Thomas is a fifth-generation preacher's kid and grandnephew of the late civil rights activist and music legend Nina Simone. Ooh. He represents a unique blend of divine calling, artistic expression, and social engagement. He's an actor, activist, pastor, producer, husband, father, missionary, and entrepreneur, and he resides in Ferguson, Missouri. He's president of Civil Righteousness, and he's going to be talking about that group and also the event tomorrow called The Table. Jonathan, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Well, what did what did I miss in your background here? Wow, you know, when I a lot there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot it's there. like a boatload of stuff. Who cuts his grass? Is he cutting <laughs> grass too out there? Okay. <laughs> we have fun if you didn't, yeah, uh, that, if you didn't that, know that. That, that was a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Congratulations. <laughs> well, that, that's quite a heritage. Yeah. And it is a heritage. Just it, being a preacher's kid one generation is a heritage. Let alone five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about yourself. It's a job, right? Well, I I was, as you mentioned, I was raised in North Carolina. Um, I've been in ministry, kind of inherited, uh, you know, faith and and mission. Uh, But also because of that, uh, you know, famous family member and and many others, actually, who uh, in my family line have really been critical in terms of engaging the culture on justice issues and, and the racial conversation, you know, that was something around my, my house and our family that, um, that was talked about a lot, even from a young age for me. And so it was kind of serendipitous, if I could use a big word, uh, that I would find myself uh, moving here to Ferguson and kind of engaging in the work of, of seeing some real healing happen. Uh, on the back end of what happened here seven years ago, and obviously um, what has become a front-runner issue in our nation. Now, is this something that, you know, you're moved here? I know, as I was kind of reading, you came during the George, uh, the George Floyd, during the Michael Brown uh, issue that happened, and but there were some things previous to that. I know you were involved with uh, issues up in Detroit and some activities going on there. Kind of explain how this kind of whole heritage thing pursued you and pressed you into doing what you're doing now through civil righteousness. Absolutely. Well, you know, I always, I always wanted to be, uh, honestly an entertainer. I felt that, you know, um, issues, even tough issues that need to be discussed can be, um, discussed more easily through stories. So I, I went to school and, and uh, majored in production and wanted to be in media and, and film and, um, you know, just even seeing uh, how my, my great aunt was given such a voice through her music 
that was really my, my desire. But uh, right after college, I ended up um, going to a graduate school of ministry that focused on youth. And I was assigned to this uh, really violent neighborhood in Nashville, East Nashville, which is kind of a cool hipster spot now. But um, back then, it was it was uh, the summer that I started. There were gang wars, and mm. immediately, you know, was kind of immersed into the work of of peacemaking between feuding uh, street gangs. And that experience then began, you know, the work of hey, we've got to. It's not enough for a young guy on the streets to decide they don't want to make a living on the underground economy anymore. Uh, it's, that's that's good in sentiment, but in practice, you know, how do we create jobs for these guys? How do we give them um, uh, ways and access to to a sustainable living? And so that that's really what stirred the entrepreneurial work in me. Um, and then that led to uh, a few other cities um, missionally that we be, that we moved to. We moved to Indianapolis and were there for nine years, leading a nonprofit doing after-school programming and continuing to work in underserved communities, which then our work there opened the door to Detroit and Kansas City and several other cities. Um, so when the, the Mike Brown or the civil unrest broke out here in Ferguson and, and in Missouri, we came temporarily, you know, just to try to apply some of our uh, peacemaking skills um, here in the city. And then we we saw very clearly, like, man, this is, this is not just a one-off event. There's a there's a real wound mm-hmm. nationally mm-hmm. that this local flashpoint is kind of a, a, a microcosm of a macro issue. Exactly. And we just felt like, hey, this is a this is our interest to to stay and, and do work for the long haul. So explain what civil righteousness does and what what the the goals are. Of, I, I know what you do. You engage in injustice. You restore communities, you build bridges, but walk us through so people who are listening can get a, a better handle on that. Well, you know, when after Ferguson happened, uh, there was the formation of the Ferguson Commission, which researched um, all the different, you know, uh, various things uh, that that contributed to the, the issue or caused the issue in Ferguson. And uh, one of their calls to action was for the faith community to engage in the racial equity mission. And one, you know, that's really, uh, again, just the marriage of, of the faith uh, community to the social um, equity realities. I felt like, man, that's something we can do. You know, we can come in and uh, provide an on-ramp for particularly the Christian community, um, both locally and nationally, to begin to wrap their minds and wrestle with, does if, if we call ourselves followers of, of, of Christ, does Christ have anything to say about what's going on, and do we have a responsibility in it? So a lot of what we do is we do engage uh, faith communities, but particularly the Christian community, in the discussions we host. We host racial reconciliation forums, we help in these days it's not even black and white as much as it is a republican democrat right. you know there's just oh, yeah. there's such a, a, a on the heels of an election year i mean there's just such a divide and uh, so how do we step into the gaps where there's division and find ways to find one another and, and to humanize one another you know and help police and activists not in the in the tumult of the streets but but at the table how do they find once you've gotten each other's attention uh, now what? You know, how do we possess the ability to, to really uh, move to move some things forward in the back rooms as well as the streets? And so um, we do crisis intervention in the streets. We've been in Charlottesville and Minneapolis and Wisconsin and Oakland and all the cities over the years where um, various civil unrest has broken out as peacemakers. So we train and equip teams to, to go in and, and in uh, atmospheres that can quickly spiral out of control. Uh, we have people physically present on the streets, having conversations, de-escalating, um, and also interpreting, mediating, not just saying calm down, but saying, hey, let's help us understand what the real issues are um, and help people on both sides understand those issues. When you've talked to people and as people have come back and you, 
they have discussed what has gone on where they've been uh, talking to individuals. What what has been a common or has there been a common theme that has that has run through all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think from a from a cultural uh, perspective, you know, it's clear there are several Americas. You know, it's a it's an, a, a nation of immigrants, refugees, and settlers, and uh, you know there. So the reality is, I think the, the hard part is how we can all have a lived experience in America that can be um, close and similar in proximity, but very different in experience. Mm-hmm. And to get people to a place where we can see and understand the experience of the other um, is difficult when these types of issues uh, stoke deep uh, passion and deep emotion. Um, You know, at the core, there's, there's like identity tied to um, even the, the accusation or the assumption that someone might be a racist Mm -hmm. or, uh, or the assumption that someone isn't a racist, you know, so on both both sides, you know, I feel the the theme is that I see across the aisles and across the boards in every city and every place I talk to is that there's really a deep, deep wound uh, in the soul of our nation that has never, although we've had political reforms and we've had justice movements and civil rights movements of, of many different ilks, you know, uh, at the end of the day, there's a deep wounding that we've all kind of inherited from history, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, uh, that we still need to address that we're still trying to figure out how to address. And I think that's where with civil righteousness, we were pursuing reconciliation and restorative justice, not just a punitive justice, which is vengeance based, but Hey, how do we see everybody restored in this? both the historically oppressed and the historic descendants of the oppressors. You know, how do we, how do we get and emerge from this place with healing from the inside out? You know, we, we have talked previously on, on other shows about how lots of these problems, we, we, are, we are manifesting the ignorance and the inability to deal with issues that have previously happened. Or we, we just didn't want to deal with them, and, and they have bubbled up, and they've been pushed off to the corner, to the back burner, and finally it's in the forefront. And you know, when you have the opportunity to deal with an issue, to engage in justice, engage it. And because it, it, it will only be, my words, you're kicking the can down the road for another generation. And one of the things you mentioned exactly. on your website is while rights deal with our ex- externals, righteousness deals with our internals. A lot of it is just this internal struggle, the losing of who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's exactly right. So what, what we do when we see a problem is we immediately look at what needs to change, what can we change Externally, you know what what reforms need to be made, what new uh, legislation needs to be written, or what new legislators need to be put in place. And so we've thrown really bl- band aids on wounds that require surgery. Correct. And when the band aids don't work, now we have an infection. So we have a generation that's dealing with the infected wounds of many many. Uh, Generations. many generations of, of our foremothers and fathers who have lived and you know wounds heal from the inside out so when we if we look internal and we go okay um, righteousness deals with the internals it, it's the way we we think it's the way it's the the, the way we've been kind of culturally wired it's uh, biases it's all these different things that Ultimately, you know, that's the area that, that faith deals with, you know, the area of the soul and good action and, and good deeds and good will towards mankind flows from the private kind of inner workings of our heart and our soul and our mind and our emotions. And, you know, so there's there's trauma, you know, there's gen- just like post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like historical post-traumatic stress that we need to begin to deal with this just as seriously 
you know, deal with these issues from a mental health and a spiritual and emotional health standpoint as seriously as we've tried to address it from, you know, uh, from educational reform and, and entrepreneurial um, working. So that's, we're trying to hold, walk in that tension and hold both. You know, we, we must have the, the external uh, reforms, but we really have to begin to be willing to do the deep inner work. So how, what results have you seen based upon, you know, being out there on the front lines with, with what you're doing? Well, you know, it's, it's been amazing um, to, to see, first of all, uh, you know, to see whole communities who even, you know, seven years ago uh, were completely ill-equipped and um, unprepared for the climate that we're in, you know, to see specifically some of these faith communities um, shift their, their, uh, their focus to the point that, you know, they've created committees and created um, uh, ways to begin to fully have these conversations and create space to, and think tanks, innovations, how do we address and take responsibility for our role in repairing what there's a, a biblical scripture in Isaiah that says you will repair the desolations of many generations. And to see, you know, some folks risk everything, congregations lose members because the pastor is like, look, we're going to die on this hill. We're going to repair this breach. Mm-hmm. We're going to restore the streets. We're going to have these conversations. And I've seen, I've seen some real cur- courageous leadership um, from even the, you know, from white evangelical churches uh, and from uh, black Protestant. I think we lost our guest, folks. We're going to try to get him back. Try to get him back. Yeah, yeah we'll try to get him back. We, we apologize for that. But while uh, we're getting that tomorrow in Ferguson, Jonathan, I was going to ask him about this, and we will get him back to talk more about this. But there is uh, a really a faith-filled vision, wonderful food, great music. Brave Conversation at the Table, and it is a diverse group of changemakers. It's sitting down at the table. It's going to be marking historic Juneteenth, as we talked uh, in the previous half hour. And it's kind of an escape from what's going on to reflect. And I know what's interesting is Cliff said the same word, reflect. Mm -hmm. Reflect on what has happened in the past. Embrace the reality of what's going on right now. And where can we be, dream together, uh, where can we be, what should we do to not only help our generation but future generations to avoid some of the, the craziness uh, that, that we've experienced yeah. over um, our generation. Right, right. It's Yeah, those are all great questions. <laughs> so this is going to take place uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you can go to the table stl.com the table stl.com they've got some uh, information about that and we're we're going to encourage uh, Jonathan to give us uh, give us a call back mm-hmm. i know he he's listening and trying to get back on here right. but the um, followed by the pound or half. there uh, are are a variety of of things that you can do you know they have a social hour at 5 to 6 Thank tomorrow you. then there's dinner music and table talk from 6 to 8:30 mm-hmm. uh Grace Meet and Three is uh-huh. providing the food for this particular right. event, and I, I know Ricky, and Ricky's uh, mm-hmm. he's going to provide some good good stuff. Jonathan, are you back there? Yes, I'm here. Sorry about that. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, and we apologize for that. I was I was doing a uh, a uh, ad lib. Yeah, and it doesn't ad lib very well, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but he did all right. He no, right. I was I was talking about the table. Yeah. And uh, we were going to segue to that, but um, because I was going to segue through your Soul Coffee House and how you yeah. that that's such an integral part of Ferguson and mm-hmm. kind of the place where everybody would meet and talk and at right. least get some of these things out. Touch on that and then segue to uh, the table, if you would. Absolutely, yeah. the The Corner Coffee House was the the for over 20 years, 27 years, I believe, to be exact, was just really the heart and soul of Ferguson. We purchased it two years ago, um, and it's been a process 
we we launched Soul Coffee Roasters online on July 4th uh-huh. of last year. So in the COVID environment, we we um, pivoted from trying to get the retail space open and launched online, and it's been really successful uh, as people around the country have have started buying the coffee and loving it. Um, but now we're in the active process. We're actively renovating the space in hopes of uh, opening so coffee this this fall in downtown Ferguson. And we really see it as a as a physical space where we can um, host and, and kind of create an atmosphere for conversations that lead to reconciliation. You know, coffee has always brought people together always been a place of convergence and community. And so for us, it's kind of the, the perfect way to, in a physical way, model, you know, the values that we carry even as an organization as civil righteousness and also create jobs for people in the community while also celebrating, you know, some of the unique um, per, uh, cultural gifts that come from where we source our coffee, such as the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Rwanda, Uganda, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. um, African coffees. So it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, SoulCoffeeRoasters.com is, is where that is. And then uh, tomorrow, we're for Juneteenth, we're celebrating and commemorating um, Juneteenth here in Ferguson by physically building a table. Uh, Dr. King said so famously that he had a a dream that one day the sons of slaves and former slave owners would sit together at the table of brotherhood. And so we're saying, Hey, let's, let's do the dream. Mm. Let's get people from different sides of the aisle, different backgrounds and cultural experiences together over a meal. And, uh, and let's have some, some brave conversations Mm -hmm. around not just celebrating the end of slavery, but you know where where are we where are we still in bondage and where do we still need freedom? All of us, not just one race, but but all of us as the human race. Um, let's let's sit at this table, and we might even get offended at the table for a minute. But let's mm-hmm. commit to stay there and to leave unoffended. Yeah, and those are I know just growing up in my family, and what we've continued with with our family, with my wife and our family is. You know, you sit down at the table, you have dinner, especially when the kids are in school. Now we have a <clears throat> Sunday night family dinner that good. if you're in town, you got to be good. there. Good. And it's very intimate right. affair. You you talk about, you know, what'd you do in school today? Well, it was the answer was always nothing, but uh, you, you would ask questions. It was a time to have yeah. conversations, talk about issues, listen, and uh, get get a, a finger on the pulse of where your kids or your spouse was, uh, either emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and you know it, it's an intimate affair. And to to have a neighborhood or a city do that oh, is huge. Wonderful. It's huge. Absolutely. We've we've invited the mayor, um, who who has indicated that she's coming. But um, I know there's a lot going on, so she may not make the event, but we will have the chief of police there. We have several activist groups represented. Um, so it, I'm excited to do that, to, to literally invite people to the table. And it's, it's not lost on me that it's a day before Father's Day. And when I think of, you know, who, as you just mentioned, who eats at the table, it's the family. Right. That's the place where you really get to know one another. That's where you keep the pulse on the on you know what's going on and statistically families don't even eat together at the table the way they used to back in the day um which i think you know that's a loss on on our society but i think it's critical and uh maybe we'll just find that the people that we've shouted at on social media and villainized or demonized once we get to the table we might look Mm -hmm. and see that they're actually family well having a conversation with someone across the table from you while you're eating and drinking is a lot different than shouting at someone from your porch or from your car as they're passing by or on the street and not really understanding where they are, where they've been, what their struggles have been. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times we are quick to talk, but we're very slow to listen, listen, which, which is exactly the opposite (laughs) of what's written in the scriptures. Be quick to hear, slow That's to exactly speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, in Scripture, you know, people talk a lot about heaven. And 
I think I, I think that you know some of the reach for and the the cry in the culture for justice is really a cry for for something that's heavenly. You know this this earth is imperfect, um, but but you know from our faith position we do believe that God is a God of righteousness and justice, and um, Jesus said that the the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding feast. Mm-hmm. He, he says like a banqueting table. And uh, even, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the King David, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, man, what if, what if some of the, the things that we've made really complicated when it comes to unity or, or understanding one another could be solved through uh, a national table? What if in every city, in every community, the new protest was, hey, we're going to have a meal together. We're going to commit to even just just open our house and and get invite somebody to dinner who who we already know we we probably don't agree with or we don't understand. Let's just see what happens over a meal. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, what 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 could happen if if we set America's table? So that's this is our effort, kind of our, our first step towards doing that. Great effort, Jonathan. Tremaine Thomas, we appreciate you being on St. Louis in Tune today, and thank you for the the ministry and the work that you're doing uh, here in St. Louis and what you have learned from your other uh, time in other cities, because I, I think we are the beneficiaries of that, okay. and uh, this city has had a long history of, of struggle and trying to get its act together racially, and uh, hopefully we can break the ice on that, uh, especially uh, tomorrow and begin some some new times here in the St. Louis metropolitan area. Jonathan, thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Jonathan. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good weekend. Save some of that barbecue for me. Okay. Happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, you too. Thank right. you. Bye. Well, we're glad that you tuned in to this show today and hope that you found something beneficial. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. For St. Louis In Tune, studio manager Derek Abbott, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. That's all for this hour, and thank you for listening. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine. That 